0: Welcome to the Co-Mission Podcast. We're spending the summer at Co-Mission's annual Bible Festival, Revive. Coming up over the next few weeks, we have talks covering suffering and God's sovereignty, church planting, and medical ethics. But today we're going to hear one of our main session talks from Co-Mission CEO Richard Culkin. Richard was speaking at our Co-Mission news session on the theme of taking up our cross. Richard was preaching from Mark 8, verses 34 to 38. Our commission aim is to assist in evangelizing London by planting and establishing 60 diverse reformed evangelical churches in London by 2025 and 360 long-term for the salvation of many and the glory of God. By God's grace, we're making progress. We've planted 30 churches, of which 20 are established. If God continues to give us the steady growth of the last 10 years, then in 2029, we'd be 7,000 adults and 2,000 children with 60 gospel growth points. In 2039, we'd be 100 little churches totaling 15,000 adults and 4,000 kids. Working together to reach London with God's gospel of Christ crucified. That sounds exciting. Because our churches are not cruise ships for passengers, not speedboats for competitors, but lifeboats for crew dedicated to rescuing people who are drowning in sin. But our churches, as you will know, are very unimpressive and weak. We are very unimpressive and weak. Nothing like the fleet of sleek new E-class lifeboats powered by massive Volvo engines driving their Hamilton water jets at speeds of 40 knots up and down the Thames. We're a lot more like that motley flotilla of leaky fishing boats and leisure craft requisitioned by Churchill in 1940 to head down the Thames across to the beaches of Dunkirk to rescue stranded British Belgian and French troops who were facing annihilation from advancing panzer divisions in World War II. Churchill called Dunkirk a miracle of deliverance because despite the mines, the U-boats and the Stuka bombers, that ragtag armada rescued 338,000 soldiers. But rescuing Londoners from the wrath we all deserve will require a far greater miracle of deliverance because the people of London that God has requisitioned us to reach don't want to be rescued. They're spiritually dead to God and hostile to the gospel that can bring them life as we all once were. So planting 60 gospel churches by 2025 will be very difficult and very costly for us all requiring patient dedication, waiting for people to be converted, exhausting effort, trying to reach our communities, sacrificial generosity in financing the whole work. Why on earth would we choose to be part of a church planting movement, when most Londoners are trying to earn enough money to leave as quickly as possible and buy a dream property, or move to a dream climate, or travel to get the dream job? In other words, why are we trying to do something so costly and sacrificial? because in Mark chapter eight, verse 34, in your programs, Jesus presents his vision. His vision for our lives, for our churches, and for our network, and it is a costly vision, and it's very simple, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me." Now the first half of Mark's gospel has just reached its climax when Peter realizes who Jesus is, you're the Christ. Now the second half begins as Jesus reveals in 831 why he's come. He says, Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer, be rejected, be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter didn't want a suffering and rejected Christ, he wanted a successful and popular leader to bring us successful popularity. But Jesus recognised in Peter not only the selfishness of sin but the influence of Satan, tempting Jesus and his followers then and now to avoid the cost of obeying God's word. Don't be so zealous, don't be so intense. Don't be so rigid, don't be so generous. So Jesus rebukes Peter in verse 32, get behind me, Satan, he said. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus calls the crowd together to explain what he still expects then and now of all his disciples and of us who are gathered here today if we're following Jesus. He essentially says, follow me down this road of self-sacrifice Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. After which they saw Jesus transfigured in glory and heard the Father's voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Three simple things he requires of us. One, deny yourself, be willing to serve. Deny yourself means neglecting ourselves to give others what they need, especially in the gospel of Christ crucified, which saves from hell for heaven forever. It's the greatest need of London and of the world. Jesus doesn't say comfort yourself with my love or improve yourself with my power, but deny yourself in my way. Jesus left his lovely home in heaven. He came as a cross-cultural missionary to preach the gospel and plant a church. He surrendered himself to suffering for our salvation. In our narcissistic generation, denying ourselves for the salvation of others is totally radical. Notice this isn't asceticism, trying to impress God with pointless hardship, like the famous 5th century monk Simon Stylotes who sold his possessions to go and live in the Syrian desert to pray on top of a whole load of stone pillars for 37 years being supported by his friends. Completely pointless. 1 Timothy 4 says forbidding the grateful enjoyment of God's good gifts like marriage and food to forbid those things is demonic because it denies God's kindness. So Jesus wasn't a masochist. He didn't go to the cross because he likes pain. Oh, yummy, I'm gonna get crucified. He went to the cross because it was the only way to save sinners. And so like Jesus, we can enjoy the good gifts of our Father, but we will have to make costly sacrifices for the salvation of sinners. Jesus says, deny yourself, deny yourself. And be ready to serve. Secondly, he says, Take up your cross, be willing to suffer. These are such sobering words. Jesus compares life as a Christian to the horrifying picture of a condemned criminal staggering along under the weight of the crossbeam on which they'll be nailed through wrists and ankles to die in excruciating agony. And he says, Do this. Jesus knew that such a death awaited him and he calls us to follow him. In effect, he says we must carry a cross of suffering on earth if we want to wear a crown of victory in heaven. Notice that Jesus says, take up, that is, pick it up. Pick it up, he'll not force us He calls us to voluntarily accept a life of suffering for the salvation of others. Pick it up. During World War II, the evangelical German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned and executed for his stand against Hitler. And from his present prison cell, he wrote some famous reflections on the Christian life, collected under the title, The Cost of Discipleship. He wrote these famous words. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Suffering then is the badge of true discipleship. The disciple is not above his master. If we refuse to take up our cross and submit to suffering and rejection at the hands of men, we forfeit our fellowship with Christ and have ceased to follow him. If we're not walking the way of the cross, then we've left Jesus. Notice Jesus says his followers must take up their cross. It will not be Jesus' cross, where he alone suffered the hell we deserve for our sins. We'll never suffer judgment, he took took it all. It will not be anyone else's cross, so we mustn't compare or compete. And it will not be the cross that we choose but the one that our loving Heavenly Father chooses for us. The cost of us contributing what we can as the people we are in our circumstances to making disciples of all nations for him. But notice Jesus does say, take up their cross. Not the normal hardships of life, but the costs of proclaiming Christ crucified. Commission is a story of God's grace empowering self-sacrifice. Some have suffered the cost of moving houses to to live somewhere they didn't want to live in order to plant a church. Some have given up well-paid careers to train for gospel ministry. Others have given their annual bonus or a property or just weekly hard labor turning up every week to be there to help and to serve. Here in London we no longer expect to be burned alive for preaching the gospel. As you may know 26 year old Anne Askew was burned at Smithfield market in 1546 like dozens of others during the reformation. We don't expect to be laid down under a steamroller like believers in North Korea recently or packed into a metal container in the desert to die like believers in Eritrea. We don't expect that. But I do expect that every single one of us will face a familiar, costly decision during the next three years about where to live. Will we accept the cost of staying to support a church plant while others leave for more space or a sunnier climate? Will we accept the cost of moving to be part of a church plant? Jesus says, take up your cross. Do you see it? Pick it up. And be ready to suffer. Thirdly and lastly, follow Jesus. Be willing to change. If we're following Jesus along this way of the cross, He will lead us by his spirit through his word, constantly encouraging and strengthening and training us. We will never be alone if we walk this way. And as we consider the cost of denying ourselves and taking up our cross to follow him, Jesus explains the long-term benefits with some simple commercial principles. Verse 35, he says, think about savings. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life, for me and for the gospel, will save it. Now we all recognize the wisdom of saving for the future, perhaps for a wedding or for a retirement. Jesus says if we try to keep our lives for ourselves, we'll lose our life with God. It is one or the other. But if we give up our life to serve his mission to save the lost, God will give us life with him now and forever in heaven. So think about your savings. Verse 36, think about investments. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Now we recognize the wisdom of investing wisely. Lots of us dream of buying a property in London, whether that were possible. But there's no point investing our lives in becoming as rich as as Richard Branson if then we have nothing that God rewards in eternity. Better to invest in our eternal future by serving God's mission in the present. More concerned to invest in our kids' Bible education than their academic education. Or verse 37, think about currency. What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? We all recognize the wisdom of having the right currency abroad. A huge wad of 100 pound notes is useless in France. And the currency that works in heaven is not success and wealth and popularity. The currency of heaven is self-sacrifice in following Jesus. And finally he says, think about loyalty, verse 38. If anyone's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. We all recognize the wisdom of loyalty to the boss and Jesus reminds us that he is coming back and he will resurrect us all to face his judgment. And if we have been loyal to him and his gospel, believing, proclaiming, contending for Christ crucified, he will be loyal to us. He will never forget us. He will come and take us home. But if we abandon him and his gospel in London, He will abandon us to hell, which he described as living in flames, not because God is a torturer, but because God is a consuming fire in his holiness, and to arrive in his presence unforgiven is like landing on the surface of the sun without a spacesuit on. Jesus' vision for us is clear and compelling. He says, deny yourself, be willing to serve his mission to reach the lost take up your cross, pick it up, be willing to suffer for the salvation of others and follow him. Be willing to change your attitude and decisions from now on. For if we will not carry our cross now, we will not wear a crown then. This is Jesus' vision for us for our churches and ministries. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. And do it because of what he has done for us in taking our shame and pain and hell away from us on the cross. In a moment, we'll hear from some people who've been doing just this, denying themselves taking up their cross and following Jesus so let's pray Lord Jesus your vision for us is challenging so we ask for your strength your spiritual strength to go against the flow of this world and to deny ourselves and be ready to serve. To take up our cross and be willing to suffer and to follow you and be willing to live for the salvation of others. Help us to do this, whatever we've done in the past, Lord, have mercy upon us and help us to do this from now on. For we ask it in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Co-Mission Podcast. Make sure you check out other talks from Revive 2019 in the podcast feed and take a look at our archives of Co-Mission talks and conversations at commission.org/slash podcast.